Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and I'm so glad you're joining me today because we are continuing our journey through the book of Revelation, where we are teaching every chapter, every verse through the book. And today we come to the all-important chapter of 14. And friends, I got to be honest with you, of all the chapters of Revelation, I struggle the most with this chapter. But I tell you, the key that helped me understand it, when you understand that chapter 14 is like a table of contents, what it does is it is going to show the last of the seven bowl judgments. And here's the thing we're going to learn today. God never executes judgment without first announcing it. And that is what chapter 14 is all about. It's going to lead us to the seven bowl judgments. But before they come, God is going to give great warnings in chapter 14. I hope you're walking all the way through the book with us. If you've missed any sermons, well, download my free mobile app, Awakened to Grace, and walk through Revelation with us as we study God's Word together. Well, today we're going to examine what may be one of the most important chapters of Revelation, but one that can seem very confusing, can really cause someone to kind of scratch your head and say, what is this talking about? One of the key principles for me in understanding chapter 14 is simply this. Chapter 14 is like a table of contents of what is about to come in the remainder of the book of Revelation. Isn't it amazing? We only have a few more chapters left. Next Sunday, we'll be in chapters 15 and 16. The following Sunday, 17 and 18. And then the final Sunday of August, 19. And then there's only three more. We only have six more sessions left in this study. And as we are catapulting toward the end of God unfolding all of his plans, and we're going to see the eternal plans of God, chapter 14 just is an odd chapter. Well, what will help you understand is it's like a preamble. It's, like a, it's, it's going to introduce to us what we can expect over the next several chapters. And that's what chapter 14 deals with. Now today, we're, we're, we're going to begin in verse number 6. And the reason why is we talked about the 144,000 sealed Jews already. That was in session 5, several weeks ago. That was in Revelation chapter 7. We met the 144,000. The last verse of chapter 6 says, Who can stand? Against the wrath of the Lamb. Chapter 7 answers that question. It's the 144,000 sealed. And all of those who are going to be saved during the tribulation period. Which the Bible calls the tribulation saints. Now where we're going to be today is we're going to be introduced to several angels. And what the purpose of these angels are. They are going to pronounce the judgment that is coming. So far, we have walked our way through Revelation, and we have seen the seal 
judgments, seven of those. We have seen the trumpet judgments, seven of those. And now we're in a long parenthesis. Chapters 10, 11, we studied the two witnesses. Chapter 12, we called it Satan exposed and Israel explained. And we saw God's full plan for the redemption of his people Israel. And then last week we were in chapter 13 and we called that the rise of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast. Well, today I'm going to call this the road to Armageddon. Because this is what is spelling out for us. Today we're going to be introduced in a very new way in the book of Revelation. We're going to see the vengeance of God like many of us have never seen it before. We're going to see that back in Revelation 5, we saw that Christ was who? He was the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the world. He came. He was a Lamb He was brought before the slaughter, Isaiah 55 teaches, yet he opened not his mouth without a word. He came in meekness. He came in humility. He came in lowliness. But that was his first coming. Friends, his second coming, he's coming with vengeance. And chapter 14 spells it out for us. And my goal today, my hope today, is you can feel The gravity, you can feel the weightiness, you can feel the seriousness of the wrath of God in chapter 14. So he begins with 144,000 sealed Jews. We met them in chapter 7. And now we're working our way through the tribulation. And as we come to the end of the tribulation, how many Jews, how many of the sealed remains? 144,000. Not 143,999. Not a one of them were lost. Why? Because God preserves them. Remember, God sealed them in their forehead. And God has preserved his people. And now, we're going to be introduced to several angels. And what they're going to do is pronounce judgment. But there's a lot to unpack here. Caleb, read verse 6 for me again. And let's just begin to unfold some of this. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth. Now, remember this. There are multiple categories of people in the book of Revelation. We continuously cover them. The 24 elders is the church. We have the nation of Israel. You have angels. You have the four living creatures. You have tribulation saints. And who's the other group of people? The earth dwellers. Who are the earth dwellers? Well, it's those that this world is their home. Friends, you and I are not earth dwellers. We are pilgrims. We seek a country whose builder and maker is God. We are not earth dwellers. Amen. We are just passing through. That's it. And there is a message to the earth dwellers. And I want you to think about this. We're talking about six, uh, we're talking about seven sealed judgments. We're talking about seven trumpet judgments. The earth is experiencing the judgments of God. And yet before the last and the great and the final seven bold judgments, what comes out of the heart of God? Repent. 
Again, out of the heart of God, this angel proclaims the eternal gospel. Friends, for over 2,000 years, God has used pulpits and God has used preachers to proclaim the gospel. But in this final day, What has happened? Revelation chapter 6, Jesus' followers are being martyred. What's happened? Revelation chapter 10, the two witnesses prophesied for 1260 days, and finally they were killed and then resurrected to heaven. And now who is God going to use? Not Not a human, not a person. God's going to use an indestructible, holy angel to proclaim this eternal gospel. Friends, what we're doing right now is we're proclaiming an eternal gospel that is able to save your soul. Amen. And what does he do? Read it again, Caleb. He proclaims the eternal gospel. (coughs) Verse 7, And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. There you go. The hour of the judgment has come. Friends, what we're about to see in the book of Revelation, it's not the seal judgments, it's not the trumpet judgments. Friends, the greatest birth pains are on their way. The greatest, most catastrophic events the earth has ever known. So much so that Jesus said in Matthew 24 that no flesh would be saved if the days were not shortened. And we are about to see the full wrath of God on display for every eye to see. And the judgment, the hour of judgment has been proclaimed. But what's proclaimed with it? Repentance. What a merciful, what a merciful God we serve. Remember Revelation chapter 11 verse 15. What's the declaration? The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God. What was proclaimed? There will be no more delay. Friends, we're on the fast track at this part of Revelation. Remember, we've come through the seal judgments. We've come through the trumpet judgments. Now we've been in this great parenthesis chapters of 10, 11, 12, 13, and now 14. And what are we getting ready for? The bold judgments are getting ready to be poured upon the earth. And what is this first... Angel announce, repentance, the eternal gospel. Go on, Caleb. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Now, remember where we are right now. Who is the world worshiping? We learned it last week in chapter 13. The beast, the antichrist. The world is worshiping him and his false image. And what is this statement? No. Worship God. Fear God. And friends, I do not think it is any mistake whatsoever that what does God say? He says, worship God who is the creator who made the heavens and the earth and the seas and the waters and all that's in them. Worship God as creator. Why? Because you know what's going on on the earth right now. What have we said through our whole study? What is becoming the religion of the last days? Climate change. I've had so many of you tell me that since we began the study, I've had so many tell me, I can't believe how many climate change commercials are on television. 
I hear it left and right. And if you are, listen, I want you to think, what has Satan done? He has tried to remove God's authority out of people's lives. So what did he create? He created this incredible falsehood, this incredible false uh, teaching called evolution that is godless, that angers the very heart of God because it removes God as creator. And what does the word of God tell us to worship God as? Creator. Why does it say that for the last days? Because the Lord knew what's going to permeate the earth? Evolution. And now you mix evolution with climate change? You have a false religion, my friends. And this angel, oh, how important this pronouncement is. Fear God. Glorify God. Worship God. For what reason? Because he is the creator. Amen. Amen. Next. Verse 8. Another angel, a second, followed, (coughs) saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Now, we're not going to spend a great deal of time on this because we're going to get into Babylon and her great fall in chapters 17 and 18. When we come to that in a couple of weeks, we're going to answer the all-important question, what is Babylon? You wouldn't believe how much mixed-up teaching there is. Some people think it's New York City. Some think it's Rome. Some think it's the old Nineveh. Some people think it's mystical and in that it's only in spiritual terms. Well, what is it? Is it a physical, literal city or is it mystical? Is it spiritual? What is Babylon? We're going to answer it all. We're going to dissect it and we're going to answer it all. But here's what I want you to know for today. Babylon falls. And the angel, remember, what is chapter 14? It is a table of content. It is telling us what we can expect over the next few chapters. It's going to tell us, because listen to this principle. This is something you need to understand about God. God is so merciful that he does not execute judgment without pronouncing it first. Friends, that's all through your Bible. When God pronounces judgment, he waits before he executes it. He always gives warnings. He always gives time for repentance. What a merciful God. And that's what chapter 14 is about. We're going to see the vengeance of God like most people in our culture has never thought of. We're going to see the anger and the fury of God like most in our society has never even paused to consider. And we're going to see it right here in this chapter. Babylon will fall. Now, why does it say twice, fallen, fallen is Babylon? When you get to chapters 17 and 18, it repeats that phrase over and over. Why is it repetitive? Well, there's a principle here. Remember, we've said all through our study, 404 verses in Revelation, yet 800 references back to the Old Testament. And today we're going to dive into the Old Testament when we get to the end of the chapter. And see, what I love about Revelation, nothing nothing displays this better than Revelation, than the whole book. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. 
However, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And we're going to see that like never before today. It's beautiful. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm too excited. Wait till we get to the end. But why does it say fallen, fallen? You got to go back to Joseph in Genesis and Pharaoh's dream. You remember Pharaoh had the dream twice. He dreamed, he woke up, he went back to the same dream. And what did Joseph say? It's because it's the double, the double of a thing. What does the double of a thing represent? Joseph told us it means that God has established it. God has ordained it. And friends, where we're going to head over the next few weeks, we're going to be, when we get to Babylon, and we're going to see, the number one, we're going to see what the mystery of Babylon is. And number two, we're going to see the fall. We're going to see the destruction of Babylon. And let me tell you, later on, when we get to the new heavens and the new earth, you remember what else is new? Because God is making all things new. There is a new Jerusalem. And wait till we study that. Babylon is going to fall forever. What began back at the Tower of Babel and the rebellion of man is going to forever fall. And God is going to put in a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem where there will never again be one trace of sin nor rebellion. That's where we're headed. The angel announces it first. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. Why twice? Because God has established it and God himself has ordained it. Next. Verse 9. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, these worshipers of the beast in its image and whoever receives the mark of its name. Now remember where we were last week. We saw the rise of the Antichrist. And we saw the enforcement of a mark. Kragma, a seal, a brand, and it was on the right hand or it was on the forehead. Do you remember why we explained a possibility of why the Bible identifies it on the right hand and the forehead? Because in the last verse of Zechariah, remember we read it, I think it's chapter 11, verse 17, if I'm not mistaken. We believe that points to the coming world ruler, this Antichrist. He was darkened in his right eye. Remember, Revelation 12 says he suffered a wound to the head, and then he resurrected, imitating the resurrection of Christ. And and Zechariah says his his right eye was darkened. His right arm was withered. It was incapacitated. We believe that this is going to be a pledge of allegiance. We believe it is identifying all of the people of the earth. They're going to identify with their ruler on that right hand or the forehead. And here the angel of God pronounces the warning. If anyone receives this mark, you are forever condemned. See, right now, you and I, see, this is so hard for us to understand because you and I live in the age of grace. 
Right now, you and I live in a time that if anyone will confess the Lord, if they'll believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, if they will repent of their sin, the Bible says you shall be saved. But Scripture says that in this time period, those who receive a mark on their right hand or their forehead, the 666. Why did we say last week the Bible calls it 666? Because six is the number of man. 666 represents the height of human ingenuity. And anyone that's going to receive this, they'll forever be condemned with no hope of grace and no hope of repentance. Do you see why the angel first proclaims his eternal gospel. Repent. Friends, this is the last call. This is the finality. Where we are right now in the book of Revelation, there is so much totalitarianism in the world. Chapter 12 told us, without the mark on the right hand or the forehead, you will not be able to buy or sell. And let me, let me just express to you I don't care about your politics. You may be vaccinated. You may be anti-vaccinations. I don't care about that. That's not my discussion with you, so I don't care. But is the world not getting ready for some mandates? Is the world not getting braced for some enforcements? Friends, you and I are living in a very, very interesting hour. And if you cannot see that the stage is being set, you need to open your eyes. Let's continue. Verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Now, this is interesting. Now, remember what I said last week. I, I, I truly, I don't believe that people will receive the mark of the beast by accident. I don't think people will do that and then later find out, oh my gosh, what have I done? No, they will willfully do this in this time period. They will willfully follow the beast. You see what I'm saying? But for those who don't, now I want you to follow me for a moment. Why did the scriptures just shift gears? Why did the scriptures just go from you receive the mark of the beast, you're eternally condemned? Now, this is a call for the endurance of the saints. Why? Because I want you to think for just a moment, what do you think it's going to be like to be a Jesus follower during the tribulation period? What did we say last week? When the rapture of the church takes place, this place will be standing room only. I don't know who's going to preach because I don't plan to be here. <laughs> but it's going to be standing room only. Many of you, your children will be in here. Some of you, your grandchildren will be in here because they know that you believe the truth. They know you were authentic. They know that you were genuine. And when the rapture takes place, that's when they're going to call on the name of the Lord. We're going to do 40 days of praying for prodigals that that would happen before the coming of Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Friends, this is a very serious, sobering moment right now. But I want you to imagine for a moment what it is going to be to be a Jesus follower during the tribulation. Remember, if you don't receive the mark, you'll not buy or sell. You won't live in your home. You, you, you won't be a, no. You won't have a bank account. You won't have a credit card. You won't own a vehicle. You won't be able to buy gasoline. You won't go to the grocery store. You won't just go get your necessities. Friends, you will be unable to buy or sell unless you have the mark. So what is going to happen in this totalitarian system if you don't have it? Can you imagine how they're going to live? Can you imagine how they're going to run? Can you imagine how they're going to hide? How they're going to constantly live in hiding? Can you imagine how exhausting they're going to be? How exhaustive it's going to be? How hard of a life, how difficult of a thing it is to try to live off the grid in a day like ours in this kind of technology. So you know what happens? Scripture shifts gears. And it says, for those who will not receive the mark... Now, listen, I want you to think about this. For those who will stay true to Christ, for those who will refuse the beast and his mark, they're going to be so exhausted. But listen, they're going to feel such despair because they missed the rapture. Do you not think they're going to feel like they missed everything because they missed the coming of Christ? But listen, Scripture is going to give them hope. I want you to listen carefully, and I want you to hear it from the ears of someone who is suffering through the tribulation period. And I want you to hear what the Spirit says to those precious believers. Caleb, read these two verses for me again. Here's a call for the endurance of the saints. Don't lose hope. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Mm. And I heard a voice from heaven saying... Write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Wow. What a word from the Lord. You know what the Lord's saying? You haven't missed everything. You're going to be welcomed into my kingdom. And the Lord is saying, you're going to rest. You're going to rest from your labors. Can you imagine how exhausting it's going to be? What a difficult life it's going to be? And the Lord's going to receive them. And we, the 24 elders, we are going to receive them. Amen? Amen. Revelation chapter 6. You can read it for yourself. Well, praise God. Next. Verse 14. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and seated on the cloud one like a son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth and the earth was reaped. Now, who is this one sitting on a cloud? Who is this one who, is this just simply an angel or is this Jesus Christ? Friends, I'm convinced it's Jesus Christ. Number one, because it's Christ who sits over and over, he's, he's in a cloud. 
You can go, again, you go all the way back to the Old Testament, and this cloud is there. The cloud was in the temple when it was rebuilt. What is the cloud? That's the Shekinah glory of God. You go all the way through the Gospels, the Mount of Transfiguration. What is this cloud? It's the glory of God. It's the Shekinah glory of God. And then this is the biggest thing. What does John call Christ? He calls him the Son of Man. Friends, that is a title that Luke uses all through his Gospel. Why? Because it speaks of not just the deity of Christ, but the humanity of Christ. And Christ is getting ready to reap the earth. Now, what is this? This is a grape harvest. We're going to see that in a couple verses. This is a grape harvest. Now, here's what I want you to understand. When you and I hear the term ripe, we think of really good fruit, right? You go buy cantaloupe or you buy your watermelons or whatever you buy. You want, you, you want your fruit to be what? Ripe. We think when we think ripe, we think it's tasting well and it's ready to eat. But in the Greek, it's a different tone here. What it, what it actually means is withered. What it actually means, we could say overriped. And the time of judgment has come. The time for harvesting has come. So we see Christ... In the clouds, we see him with a golden crown. We see him with a sharp sickle. And what does he do? He reaps the earth. Now let's watch it unfold. Continue, please. Verse 17. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he too had a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, the angel who has authority over the fire. And he called with a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle. Put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, for its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth. So again, in your mind, think of withered grapes. That's what this is talking about. Continue. And he threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress as high as a horse's bridle for 600 stadia. <clears throat> now, this seems very complicated. But let me explain it in very simple terms. If you understand that chapter 14 is a table of contents, and if you understand where we're headed in the book of Revelation, chapters 15 and 16 are going to be the seven bold judgments that's what Christ meant in Matthew 24 when he talked about the great tribulation. The tribulation is a period of seven years. The great tribulation is the last three and a half years that the Bible identifies as time, times, and half a time. The Bible identifies it as 42 months. The Bible identifies it as 1,260 days. Friends, the Holy Spirit cannot spell it out any more clear. And so this is the last half. This is the last 42 months. This is going to be the most intense time in all of human history. And Jesus said there's never been a time like it before, nor will there ever be a time like it again. And this is a table of content on what to expect. So what is this wine press? 
What is this gathering, this clustering of grapes? What is this reaping of the earth? What in the world is the blood that's going to flow to the horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia? What is a stadia? Well, let's explain it. When Christ comes, and, and, and see, listen, it's interesting because uh, people who have the view I have a scripture, we believe in a rapture of the church. But friends, that's not the second coming of Christ. The second coming is found in Revelation 19. The armies of the world are going to gather in what is called the battle of Armageddon. For those of you who you've been to Israel, you have probably visited the Valley of Megiddo. In Bible days, it was called the Valley of Jezreel. If you've never been there, you can look it up online and you can look up literal pictures of the Valley of of Jezreel or the Megiddo Valley. This is where the, the battle of Armageddon is going to take place. And Christ is going to return on this battle of Armageddon. And friends, it will be no fight at all. The world will have their nuclear weapons and everything else. But you know what the Bible says? Christ, with just his breath, will slay them. Just the breath of his mouth. Now let me tell you, say amen if you're with me right now. See, we live in a culture that has no regard for God. Is it okay if I preach for a moment? I'm going to stand up in a minute. We live in a... Listen, foolish people. I remember when I had eyesight, you would see these crazy little memes or t-shirts. Only God can judge me. Oh, friends, he shall. We do not have a fear, a reverence, an awe of the judgment of God. What did the angel pronounce in his eternal gospel? Fear God. Glorify God. Worship God. No. See, this culture has an attitude. I'll do whatever I want to do. This culture has an attitude. I'll have things my way. Friends, that's not the God of the Bible. And I want you to hear me today. And I want you to hear me as I proclaim this eternal gospel. The Bible tells us how you and I can escape the vengeance of God. And the Bible tells us what the vengeance of God is going to be like. Can we do a deep dive right now? Caleb, take me to Isaiah chapter 61. And I want you to read verses 1 and 2. I want to show you with the Bible right now. I'm going to show you why this day that the Bible's describing in Revelation 14, when it comes to the battle of Armageddon, I'm going to show you why this is going to be the great and terrible vengeance of God. And I want to see, I want you to see from the mouth of Christ what is going on in this moment of human history. Isaiah chapter 61 foretells, it predicts, what Christ is going to do. And in just a moment, we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to see Christ fulfill this very words, okay? Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's okay. favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to pay attention to that. And what's the next phrase? And the day of vengeance of our God. And the day of vengeance of our God. Now, go to Luke chapter 4. And I want to show you what Christ did. Because this is absolutely fascinating to this preacher. So, Christ goes through. He's baptized at the Jordan River, right? He goes through the 40 days and nights of fasting in the wilderness and the temptation of Satan. Remember, three temptations from Satan. Coming out of the three temptations of Satan, he goes back to his hometown of Nazareth. He goes to the synagogue, as was his custom, and he's given the scroll of Isaiah. And I want you to listen to what the Bible says that Jesus did. This is going to blow your mind. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What's missing? The day of the vengeance of our God. Continue. Let's watch it. See what Christ did. He stops at a comma. He doesn't complete the entire text. He leaves out this incredible last phrase. And, and, and listen to what Jesus does. And he rolled up the scroll huh. and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. He's done. He rolled it up. He left out one of the most important phrases. Why did he leave it out? Because, friends, this is the first coming of Christ. He came as the Lamb of God to be slaughtered for your sin. To die, to take your place. But what is his second coming going to be? His second coming, he's going to come in vengeance. Amen. He's going to come as the wrath of the Lamb. That is his second coming. He left it out on purpose because it was not the purpose of his first coming. But friends, it shall be the purpose of his second. He is going to judge the earth. How is he going to judge it? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 63. Now this is fascinating. Remember Isaiah wrote this prophetically thousands of years before John was ever born. And then John penned these words 2,000 years before you and I were ever born. Wow. So, let me get us back on track here. Christ will come to the battle of Armageddon. And we'll study this together in chapter 19. Christ will come to the battle of Armageddon. He will slay those sinners with just the breath of his mouth. It won't even be a fight. He will slay them. The Bible says that the blood is going to flow 
to the bridle of the horse. That's probably about four feet. And for 1,600 stadia. Do you know how long 1,600 stadia is? It's roughly 300 kilometers. It's roughly 170-ish miles. See, remember chapter 12 of Revelation. When the Antichrist, when that beast sets up the abomination of desolation, what's that? It's his idol in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. And when he sets up the idol worship, the Jews, the eyes of the Jews are going to come open. They're going to flee. They're going to run. They're going to get out of Jerusalem. And God said on the wings of eagles, I am going to protect them. God's going to supernaturally protect them. We believe that's in the city of Petra, which is in modern-day Jordan. Again, get online. Look up images of the city of Petra. We believe that God is going to supernaturally put his hand over the city and going to protect his remnant. And the eyes of the Jews are going to come open. They're going to see Jesus as their Messiah. And listen, I want you to understand what's going to happen. Jesus, after the battle of the Armageddon, he is going to go to the city of Petra And he's going to rescue his Jews. Friends, do you know how far Petra is from the valley of Megiddo? It's about 300 kilometers. It's about 170-ish miles. It's 1,600 stadia. And all of this is predicted. Now, listen to Isaiah 63 and just listen. Listen And read for yourself and let it all make sense. Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this who comes from Edom in crimsoned garments from Basra? He who is splendid in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I speaking in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red and your garments like his who treads in the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. (coughs) Their lifeblood spattered on my garments and stained all my apparel. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled, but there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought me salvation, and my wrath upheld me. I trampled down the peoples in my anger and made them drunk in my wrath, and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. Wow. Can you imagine? Vengeance was in his heart. Listen to what the scripture says He speaks in righteousness, He's mighty to save. Friends, if your view of God is that he's the guy upstairs. If your view of God is he's just the good old Lord. Then you have a mighty low view of God. Friends, he's coming back to this earth to judge. He came the first time to save and to rescue. Friends, we're still in that period of grace. 
Today, you can be born again today because we're in the age of grace. But that window of time is narrowing. We're coming to a day where he's going to come in his wrath. See, here's the difference today. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on that day. Chapter 14, the vengeance of God. He's going to tread the wine press and the blood is going to flow. And you saw it in Isaiah 63. But see, here's the thing. Either you as a sinner, either you're going to experience the wrath of God on you or see Christ absorbed our wrath on the cross he took it he took it all so see the question today the most important question about you it's not what your net worth is it's not your IRA it's not your assets or even your health The most important question about you today is, are you in Jesus? Because, friends, if you're not, you're going to face the wrath of the Lamb. But see, if you repent today, if you repent, if you fear God, if you glorify God, if you worship God, If you acknowledge him and recognize him and love him and serve him, then see, you go from being a rebeller to becoming a child. 